Doing okay? Awesome. Uh, my name is Ben Post, and I am one of the staff members with Campus Ministry, and welcome to The Well. We are glad that you guys are here tonight. Uh, as you may remember, we are walking through God's story through the Old Testament this semester. So uh, last time we were together, we talked about the, the miracle of passing through the Red Sea as the Israelites were leaving Egypt, and then our friends up here help us bridge the gap between the stories that we talked about last time and the stories we're talking about tonight. We also have some lovely artwork on the wall over here. I definitely recommend come checking some of these things out. We've got the story of creation, we've got the story of Abram going to the land that God has called him to, and then last time we were here, um, there's an there's a illustration of the Red Sea being parted and the blood being painted on the, the doorpost. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? Let's give these artists a hand, shall we? That's pretty cool. We do have a couple of spots left. If you are interested in participating in one of those art pieces, come talk to me sometime this week or something like that. Uh, here's what I want you to do. To begin, I want you to turn to a person or two next to you, introduce yourselves, okay, if you don't already know each other, and then who, which celebrity would you like to meet the most and why? All right, which celebrity would you like to meet the most and why? Go. Okay, okay, here's what I want to know. I want you to raise your hand if your answer was an athlete. Raise your hand if your answer was an athlete, okay? Raise your hand if your answer was an actor or actress. All right, and how about if it was a musician? All right. Um, sometimes I wonder what it would be like to be a, a Taylor Swift super fan, okay? <laughs> Uh, whoa, we, I think we might have a few in the house from that reaction right there. Uh, so I want to show you a video clip that I found of a Taylor Swift super fan. So we're going to check this thing out right here. It's going to be a good time. Well, first of 
first of all, oh um, Taylor ran off to a benefit and she sends her love, but we, she left gifts. So I'm giving you a lot of gifts and love from Taylor, all right? Okay. And where do you live? Where, where are you from? Um, Northern California. Northern California. Mm -hmm. And what makes you the biggest Taylor fan? I, there's no one on this earth that just adores her, genuinely adores her more than I do. Like, she's an incredible person. You said it yourself. Yeah, she is. She has totally changed my life. I think she's amazing. She is amazing. All right, so um, I got some stuff for you, okay? Oh so here's a, a whole bunch of stuff, a basket. There's an autograph. Box. There's a, a bunch of color girl. There's Major Lux. There's all kinds of things. And she oh also God. wanted to give you Are some you floor seats. No, you're gonna no, go, no, no, no. You're no. going to go see her oh in my LA floor seats. Oh, my God. The tickets to the LA show, you have floor seats, you have the autograph hat, you have the Nature Lux products, and the only thing, it would be it's a shame that Taylor's not here. That's the only problem. Oh, no way! Hey. Cut it off, cut it off. Uh, I feel awkward for her a little bit, okay? And there are seven million views of YouTube for this thing. So there's a lot of people who've seen that uh, reaction for, for that there. Um, personally, I'm not a huge Taylor Swift fan, okay? I, I don't have any problem with her, but personally, I'm not a huge fan. However, if given the opportunity to meet Taylor Swift, likely we would take a selfie together, <laughs> right? And I would Instagram it, and then there would be lots of comments of jealousy from people like in this room. <laughs> Do you think that's true? Okay, so if you had the chance to meet Taylor Swift, would you or would you not take, take a selfie and post that thing? Right, okay? Most of you would, okay? Even if you're not a Taylor Swift fan, because there's something about our culture that is a little bit obsessed with, with famous people with celebrities, with whether it's an athlete or whether it's a, a musician, or whether it's an actor or actress. If we have an opportunity to meet a person of that stature, then we kind of like go weird or something, right? I don't know what that is, but th there, there's something in our culture that's a little bit obsessed with this idea, okay? So with that in mind, we're going to dive into our story of the Old Testament tonight, okay? So if you have a Bible, turn with me to Exodus chapter 19. If you do not have a Bible, go ahead and raise your hand. And I got some friends in the back that would love to, to help you out. You're going to want one of these tonight, I think. So Exodus chapter 19. Raise your hand nice and high if you do not have one and would like one. Anybody else? Raise your hand nice and high. 
Right up here, Anne, right up here. Okay, we are going to continue our series of walking through God's story as found in the Old Testament. And throughout this series, one of the questions we want us to be one of the questions we want to be asking is what does God's story in this book have to do with our story here today? Okay? So, Exodus chapter 19. Uh, what we're going to do tonight, just to prep you, is we're going to kind of pick apart this chapter verse by verse for a little while together tonight. So, for the first couple verses here, Exodus chapter 19. On the third new moon, after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. They set out from Rephidim and came into the wilderness of Sinai, and they encamped in the wilderness. There, Israel encamped before the mountain. Okay, so Israel is encamped before the mountain. I am not an artist, but here we go. All right, here we go. There's, how we doing? Yeah? There's a mountain. And Israel is encamped. All right, here's some tents. There you go. There's a square one. There's another triangle. There you go. All right. They are encamped before the mountain, okay? The mountain that they are referring to is, uh, is mentioned a number of different times in Scripture. Sometimes it's referred to as Mount Horeb. Sometimes it's referred to as the mountain of God. And sometimes it's referred to as Mount Sinai. Now, Horeb and Sinai are mentioned 56 times in the Bible. So it's a pretty important place. In fact, in Exodus chapter 3, it's the story of Moses encountering God through the burning bush. That happens in this place right here, at the foot of Mount Horeb, which is the very same place that the Israelites are coming back to here in Exodus chapter 19, but for some reason they're referring to it as Mount Sinai. So uh, in 2006, Stacey and I had an opportunity to go on a tour to Egypt. Uh, it was a pretty good time. One of those days we spent 15 hours and a couple of Jeeps driving through the Sinai Desert. Here, I'll show you a couple pictures here. Here we are hanging out in the Sinai Desert. We drove in those Jeeps for like 15 hours. So go to the next picture. There you have it. We had a good time. Okay, so we got back to our hotel at 10 o'clock at night. We ate dinner, and we got a wake-up call at 2 a.m. to go climb Mount Sinai for a sunrise hike, okay? So uh, it was very dark, and it was maybe the coldest moment of my life, okay? Go to this next slide here, all right? I, I'm, there I am taking a selfie with some of my friends. This is before a cell phone selfie, okay? So there you go. We're climbing up the mountain in the dark. Go to the next slide. And there's the sunrise. Next slide. Next slide. There's our view from the top, and this is what Mount Sinai looks like from the bottom. It took us a couple hours to get up there. It was the coldest moment of my life, and I live in Michigan. I mean, it was December, we're in the desert, and there was no sun. It was freezing, but it was totally worth it being on top of that mountain and watching the sun come up on that day. So... Um, this, go back to that last picture. Yeah, we're not doing very good here, but that's okay. 
This is the setting of our story, okay? So let's start over. On the third new moon, verse 1, after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. They set out from Rephidim and came into the wilderness of Sinai, and they encamped in the wilderness. There Israel encamped before the mountain, while Moses went up to God. The Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and to the people of Israel. The text says, Moses went up the mountain. Okay? Let's keep going. Moses went up to God. Verse 4. You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So Moses climbs to the top of a mountain, and he has this conversation with God. And God says, okay, this is, this is the covenant, okay? If you obey my covenant, if you, if you follow these words that I'm about to give you, then you will be my treasured possession of all the peoples of the earth. You will be my treasured possession. You will be a kingdom of priests, and you will be a holy nation. You are called to be set apart. You are called to be different. By keeping this covenant, God's people were called to be separate from and also, and also mediators of God's presence to the people around them. Let me say that again. By keeping his covenant, these, God's people are called to be separate from the world, basically, and also at the same time be mediators of God's presence to the people of the world. This is what God was calling. This is, this is the covenant, okay? If you obey my word, then you'll be these kinds of people, and therefore you're supposed to be separate from and yet mediators of my presence to the world, okay? So, um, so Moses, verse 7, so Moses came down and called the elders of the people and set before them all the words that the Lord had, had commanded them to do. So Moses comes down the mountain. Moses comes down the mountain, tells the people down here in the camp, all right, here's what God had to say. Here's our covenant. Here's what's going to happen. All the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And so Moses went up and reported to the Lord that, all right, God, the people are in. We've heard what your covenant is. And the people have, have answered, and they said, we're in. All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, I'm in verse 9, Behold, I am coming to you in a thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with you, and may also believe you forever. When Moses told the words of the people to the Lord, the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their garments and be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai 
in the sight of all the people. And you shall set limits for the people all around, saying, Take care not to go up into the mountain or touch the edge of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall be put to death. No hand shall touch it, but he shall be stoned or shot. Whether beast or man, he shall not live. When the trumpet sounds a long blast, they shall come up to the mountain. Um, So the Lord is saying, go tell the people to get ready, to consecrate yourselves. Consecrate literally means to set apart as holy. Why? Why does he say this? Why is he telling the people to consecrate themselves? Somebody say it loud. Because God is holy, and why else? Because he's going to show up. God says, in three days, I'm going to come. So consecrate yourselves. Get ready. I'm coming to speak. So, verse 14. So Moses went down the mountain to the people and consecrated the people and they washed their garments. And he said to the people, be ready for the third day and do not go near a woman. Consecrate yourselves. Get ready for the third day. When I think about this, I think about, Stacey and I like to have people over for dinner. And when we do that, usually what do we do prior to the guests arriving? You what? You pick up the house a little bit. Maybe you clean it a little bit. You, I, I feel like it's sort of like that, except it's not just guests coming over for dinner. It's God himself who's going to come in three days. Think about that for a minute. God says to Moses, hey, go down and tell the people to get ready. I'm going to come and visit them in three days. I like to envision what this part of the land looked like during those three days. People scrambling around, trying to get ready, trying to clean up, trying to do their hair. I don't know what they're doing for three days, right? And with each passing moment, with each passing day, the anticipation builds and builds and builds. Why? Not because Taylor Swift is coming to visit, but God himself is going to visit in three days. Verse 16. On the morning of the third day, There were thunders and lightnings and a thick, dark cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled. They've been waiting for this moment and getting ready for this moment for three days. On the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings, okay, there you go, there's my, there's my artistic thing of lightning there, okay, and there's a thick, dark cloud that's covering the top of the mountain, and there's a loud trumpet blast, I don't know how to draw a trumpet, all right, there you go, there you go, <laughs> a loud trumpet blast, and all the people down here are trembling, it's the third day. 
Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. And they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. Oh, this will be fun. Fire. <laughs> the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. Okay, so now the mountain itself is shaking somehow. Okay, we're shaking. And the whole mountain trembled greatly. And the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. Moses spoke, and God answered him in thunder. Wow. Can you feel that with me tonight? Then sorry. The Lord came down and descended on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain. And the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain. And Moses went up. The Lord came down on the top of the mountain. And with his thundering voice, he calls Moses by name and says, come on up here. Let's have a conversation. And Moses went up. Anybody in here get a little, like, some chills just thinking about this for a minute with me? What would that moment have been like? What an incredible opportunity. Can you imagine you got the thick, dark clouds. You got thunder and lightning and, and fire and smoke. And the Lord calls Moses in thunder and says, come on up here. Let's have a conversation. And Moses went up. And then God has a conversation, the next few verses, God has a conversation with Moses and he basically says, hey, let's, let's, let's talk about what it means to, to be a separate people. Let's talk about what it really means to, to consecrate yourself. Let's not play games with what it means to be set apart as holy as my people. And then Moses comes down the mountain a third time. He delivers that message to the people below. And then chapter 20, verse 1. And God spoke all these words to the people below, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. 
You shall have no other gods before me. And the scriptures continue with God giving what we call the Ten Commandments to, to his people. And after the Ten Commandments, there's more words that God gives to Moses to give to the people. And in fact, pretty much the rest of Exodus is, uh, is God's words or God's instruction or God's uh, Torah would actually be the best Hebrew word to use there. Torah, which we, we translate in English as law, but it's actually instruction or way of life. So the rest of the book of Exodus is God giving his Torah to his people to say, hey, this is the way to live. This is what it means to be separate, to be holy, to follow after me. And in this way, there is life. Moses climbs up and down and up and down and up and down. Enter into the presence of and hear the very words of God. What an incredible opportunity that would have been. I look at that and I say, man, I'm jealous of Moses. If only I could have had that opportunity. Now, I, I think... If Moses lived in 2015 and he had this opportunity, I think he would have gone to the top of the mountain and he probably would have done one of these, you know. All right, here's me and God. Here's a selfie. Look what we're doing. And then we would all look at that on Instagram later while we're flipping through our phones like this. And we'd be like, oh, that's pretty cool. Like, uh, maybe, you, maybe you would add a comment of, but maybe that's, maybe that's part of the problem. Maybe part of my problem is maybe I'm just too attached to this and not attached enough to this. I would rather just flip through this and just hit like and not actually participate. But God invites you and I to do the same. Every single morning you and I wake up, we are invited to ascend the mountain of God and have a conversation with Him. Every single morning we have an opportunity to open up this book here and hear the very words of God. Don't do it often enough. Been excited about sharing this with you guys for a couple of weeks, but mostly out of fear of my own life, realizing that I am not anywhere near where I want to be. I want to love this book even more than I do. I want to, I want to tremble at the foot of the mountain. I want to hear God's voice speaking to me through thunder and through these words. the same God, it's the same words, 
I mean, the words that God spoke to his people on this day are written down right here. It's the same power. This day, when God came down on Sinai and delivered his, his words to Moses and his people, our Jewish friends actually have a holiday to celebrate this occasion. Because this, this day was a pretty big deal. I mean, out of this day, we have a lot of this book. So they have a holiday, an annual holiday called Simchat Torah. Say Simchat Torah. Okay? Simchat means rejoicing or joyful or happy or something like that. So Simchat Torah literally means rejoicing with the Torah. Uh, many Jews, literally the night before Simchat Torah, they pull an all-nighter just reading the words of this book. Not because they're cramming for an exam that they were delinquent about. But because they were so grateful. God, I can't believe you have given us your word. And I don't want to go through my life and pretending that I'm, that I'm not grateful. So I'm going to show how grateful I am to you for your very words by pulling an all-nighter tonight and just read and listen and hear what you might have to say to me. And then the next day, they have their celebration. Okay? So when Stacy and I lived in Jerusalem, uh, we took classes with uh, a Jewish rabbi. His name was Rabbi Moshe, which is actually is Moses, so that's pretty cool. Um, and he invited our class to his synagogue for one of these festivals of Simchat Torah. And he doesn't, you know, he's not part of a mega synagogue. There's like maybe 100 people there or something like that. And then about 40 of us American English-speaking, you know, evangelical Christians just kind of like barged in to the synagogue here for this, this thing. And we just kind of watched what they were doing. And let me just describe to you what happened on that night. So they would, somebody would go to what they call a Torah closet where they keep these Torah scrolls. Actually, why don't you go to the next few pictures first? Okay, here are some pictures of Simchat Torah. That is a Torah scroll. Go to the next slide. That's a Torah scroll. That is one of the five, first five books of the Bible, handwritten in Hebrew on one of those scrolls, and they've got this nice little case covering it. Go to the next slide. All right, here's a little illustration. Go to the next slide. Here's people dancing, and go to the next slide. All right, there you go. Okay, so there's somewhat of an idea of, of Simchat Torah. So uh, us 40 American evangelical students are watching this thing happen, and somebody goes to the Torah closet where all these five scrolls are stored, and they pull out one of the scrolls, and they start holding it like this, and all of a sudden the entire place erupts in dancing and singing and celebration, and it's this unbelievable party. And they're like going around and around and around, and they're like dancing in circles, and all of us American people are like, well, that's pretty cool. And they keep dancing and they keep singing and they go to the Torah closet again and they grab another scroll and they dance and they sing and they dance and they sing and they go to the Torah closet again and they grab another scroll and they dance and they sang and they dance and they sang and they dance and they sang. And it was unbelievable the passion that they had. Literally, I'll never forget this moment. There was a guy there, there was not a dry spot on his shirt left. Okay, and his dark moppy hair was dripping like you see like in the NBA playoffs kind of thing, you know, all right. And Rabbi Moshe, 
he couldn't speak at our class later that week because he had totally lost his voice. Just he danced and he sang with all of his heart, with all of his soul, and with all of his voice. And we're sitting there and we're watching this thing take place. All the songs are in Hebrew. None of us have any idea what's going on. But there's a part of me that's like, man, this is pretty cool. And then it happened. One of the guys who was dancing and singing with this huge Taurus roll handed it to me. <laughs> and I was like, uh, what do I do now? And he goes, dance, man. <laughs> and so I did. Friends, if you have one of these in your hand, just, just hold it in front of you like this a moment. These are the very words of God. Check out some of these words here. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight, his simchat, is in the words of the Lord. Next slide. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. Next slide. These are not just idle words for you. They are your life. Is your delight in the words of the Lord? Do you and I treasure these words more than our daily bread? Do we have any idea what kind of invitation we have every single day when we have the opportunity to ascend this smoking, fiery mountaintop to encounter Almighty God through these words? Do we long for them? Are we hungry for them? Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray in a minute. And we're going to sing a few songs together today. And as we sing these next few songs, I want you to do three things. I want you to ask, where are you at with this book? What is your relationship like with, with these words? Not because we want to worship this book, but we want to because, because we want to worship the God who is the author of this book. What is your relationship like with this book? Second question is, do you have a hunger and a passion for it? Or maybe you should be asking God for more of that. God, what is it like to treasure these words more than my daily bread? And third, and, and maybe most importantly, 
we sing these songs tonight. Can we please, please, please can we dance? Can we dance? Can we just let loose a little bit more tonight? Can we just go a little bit crazy tonight? Can we, can we do a little Simchat Torah of our own tonight? What do you guys think of that? Can we do that? All right, let's invite the band to come on out here. Let's invite the band to come on out here. Uh, and let me, let me pray as they come out. God, we give you thanks for the gift of life, and we give you thanks for the gift of these words. We give you, the, we give you thanks for the gift of our voices, uh, whether they're good or not, and the fact that we can sing with passion and energy to you as the king and creator of the universe. God, we are grateful for your words, and we want to sing to you tonight, and we want to dance for you tonight. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.